Good morning, and welcome to our Tuesday morning uh, devotion this second day after Easter. Hard to believe that we've gone that far. Uh, it is April 15th. My goodness, we're halfway through the month, almost to May. Uh, and uh, we're going to look at Psalm 30 today. Now, there's a reason why we're looking at Psalm 30 today, um, primarily because um, I am... I have two things on my mind at the same time. One, of course, I have on my mind the resurrection of Christ. I'm thinking about the fact that uh, we just celebrated uh, new life and death, uh, victory over death and, uh, you know, Christ being with us still today as our risen Lord. Uh, and so I have that on my mind, but also I have on my mind this morning, and it really kind of started to hit me last night, um, I think just maybe, just maybe, it seems like the news has shifted in regard to our current social isolation situation with the virus and with all of the other stuff. Uh, it just seemed like yesterday, there, it seemed like it was, there was some good news that we're maybe starting to turn a corner. Now, granted, that could be where I'm at. That could be more, you know, in the Northeast, and maybe it's still going to get heavier before it gets better in different parts of the country. But I thought about going through this experience of having uh, periods of, of, of just hopelessness, periods of darkness, and then what it feels like to suddenly have uh, a new spring in your step, new life, new sense of hope. And this psalm came to mind because it really is all about that. And with the theme of Easter, that being coming out of darkness and death into life and um, in the sudden news, uh, just starting to turn with, in regard to the virus, I figured we'd just spend a little time here looking at something that gives us hope. So, um, let me, let me take a sip of coffee here cause I haven't had enough of it yet. And then we'll dig into Psalm 30. Again, didn't slurp, didn't slurp. Okay. Psalm 30 verse one, I will extol you, O Lord. For you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O oh Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Now, clearly, we can see two things here. One, when this is written... At least according to the beginning, it is a psalm of David. When this is written, this comes at a time where David feels that he was under uh, very strong threat from his enemies and thought that he was even going to die and that it was almost a for sure circumstance that he, that he was going to die. Uh, and we do know from the life of David that this wasn't all that uncommon for him to experience. He was in quite a bit of trouble uh, with Saul and then after Saul, even with his own children and with various enemies, David was known as a man of war. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart, but David uh, was constantly going up against enemies and finding himself in battle. And what does David do? As we see throughout all the Psalms, David is constantly crying out, constantly crying out, constantly crying out. And here in the very first verses, David is crying out in praise. Thank you for answering my prayers. Thank you for not letting me go down into the pit and for delivering me from the place of the dead. 
At the same time as we see this being a very real situation for David, of course, this, there's an angle here where it's very prophetic of uh, Christ. It's just, it's very prophetic of Christ because indeed, God does not let Christ's body decay in Sheol and go down to the pit. He does not let that happen. God, the Father, restores him. And so there's a sense in which this is a, a oftentimes with prophecy, most of the time with prophecy, there's a, uh, an immediate fulfillment of the words. This is literally something that David is experiencing in his life, but also a broader fulfillment of his words in the life of Christ. And that really happens in the Psalms. The Psalms, you can find that almost everywhere. There's the, you can almost picture Jesus having the Psalms on his lips constantly because so many of them are ultimately fulfilled in his life, death, and resurrection, as our good friend Chad Bird will so often attest to you. So what does David say to do in the light of uh, what seemed like darkness and bad news suddenly turning to some good news? Verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. And that word favor, it's the same idea of grace. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Indeed, again, David is, is sort of giving us perspective, right? I, I don't know if you've ever gone to bed really worried about something or really upset about something and just felt like it was driving you nuts. And then you get a little sleep, you get a little rest, and you wake up and it's just, it's new. There's not the same sort of feelings that you were struggling with before. David's acknowledging a very, very human phenomenon. They're like, you know, there's a sense in which weeping is, is going on in the night, but then you, you, the morning comes and there's a, a newfound sense of hope and perspective. Joy comes in the morning. Now, again, there's an immediate fulfillment here, but also, of course, this is again pointing to that first glorious Sunday Easter morning when Christ is risen. Weeping had tarried for the night with his disciples. They were hopeless and scared and fearful. We know all that because of what the gospel writers report. And yet, that morning, there couldn't have been anything more joyous than coming across their risen Lord as the women did uh, running from the empty tomb. Now, David admits here, even in the midst of praising God, that maybe he had gotten a little too, oh, maybe he had gotten a little too cozy and comfy, and that's why he had to go through some hardship. Verse 6, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Don't you love that? The, the confident boasts of a man who thinks he's got it all and there's nothing that can take him down. He says, by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. So he gives God credit. But you can sense that there's a little bit of arrogance here. There's a little bit of conceit. And then what is he saying? You hid your face. I was dismayed. Listen, there's a sense in which uh, this, this whole period of our life over the last month, I think has caused a lot of us to recognize just how unpredictable our lives are. I think it's it's really easy to fall into the trap of thinking that we have a sense of control, that we direct our steps. But the fact is that the Proverbs tell us and the Psalms tell us, you know, that, that man plots his way, but the Lord directs our steps. And 
boy, nothing like a pandemic to remind us of that reality that good gracious, there's a whole lot about life that we don't have control of. And so before we get too comfortable and say, I shall never be moved from my prosperity, something like this comes and all of a sudden we go, oh, oh, it turns out something can move me away from my prosperity. <laughs> it turns out something can shake us pretty hard. And it brings us back to this reality that, you know, we're not, we're not in control and, and God is and our trust is and hope is in him. Verse 8. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. At, at bottom, that's our plea, folks, every day. I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Every day, every day, this is my prayer. O Lord, be my helper. Be merciful to me again. I know I didn't do what I should have done yesterday. I know I blew it in some way and thought word or deed yesterday. But Lord, still be merciful to me and be my helper. This is the life of the Christian. The life of the Christian is one of repentance. It's every day. This is, what, this is the cry of repentance. Lord, have mercy. Help me. Lord, have mercy. Help me. This is what brings joy in the morning, knowing that you can go to your God and he will be faithful to you and answer your prayer each and every day, that every time you come to him and plead for such mercy, it is a guarantee to be given to you. Guarantee. And so he goes on in the final stanza. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness. What a picture that comes to us as a result of the resurrection of Christ. It, sackcloth, of course, was the, the, the thing that you wore if you were trying to show the world that you were truly sorry over something you had done, over, or, or it was something you wore in mourning. You'll read about people wearing sackcloth and ashes in the Old Testament. Very, very uncomfortable material. Very, very uncomfortable material. The, the uncomfortable material here is immediately associated with sin. Sackcloth is something you wore again because you're a sinner, because you're mourning. It's a result of being in a sin-filled world. What instead are we given as an exchange? God takes those old sin-stained sackcloths that we've been rolling around in, and he exchanges them with the clothes of gladness. And of course, we know from the New Testament, what are we told that we're clothed in? The robe of Christ's righteousness. Remember the story of the prodigal son. The father puts on the great robe for his son to show that he is indeed accepted back into the family. The, the clothes of gladness. Why? That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Indeed. That is our story, too. We will give thanks to him forever. So each and every day, this is our, this is our sort of rhythm, folks. Our, our, we, we see this shift that goes on with David here. He finds himself getting boastful. God brings him back to humility. God, David cries out for mercy. God again and again and again answers such cries and is faithful to us to the end because he has exchanged our cloths, our sackcloths of unrighteousness with the robes of Christ's righteousness by his resurrection from the dead. So indeed, joy comes with the morning for us, and I hope joy goes with you throughout 
the entire rest of the day. That's it for this morning's devotion, folks. God bless you and have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday.